Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the abuse manipulation tactic, plausible deniability. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we're going to be discussing the abuse manipulation tactic called plausible deniability. But before we get to that, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page, and there you can read all of our instructions, and then send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com, or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button, and please do send it in the format that we ask for, and we're always looking for more stories, so please do send in your stories. So today we are going to be talking about plausible deniability and abusers. And what was interesting to me when I was diving into this topic was that I found that many of the videos and articles that you read on the internet have really co-opted the actual definition of plausible deniability and many of us, including myself, have been using it incorrectly, or I, I believe that we've been using it incorrectly. So today, we're going to try and redefine what it means, specifically how I think it should be used. And this is my opinion. And so the definition that most of us hear that I think is incorrect and that is in day-to-day situations, people believe plausible deniability involves demonstrating that little to no evidence exists to prove guilt. If not enough evidence exists to prove guilt, then innocence must be presumed. So in this definition, plausible deniability refers to there being any reasonable chance something didn't happen in a certain way and that a person might not have a not too bad excuse, and I do that in quotes, not too bad, that their excuse is plausible uh, to explain you know, why they are not guilty of what they are being accused of. So, for example, in what I think is the incorrect definition. If you think your partner is cheating because they always go missing, you confront them. They have some excuse that is plausible, you know, about their whereabouts. Like, let's say you you can't get a hold of them. They say, well, the building that I'm in, you know, doesn't get any good reception. That's why you couldn't get a hold of me. You know, we all know that these buildings, some buildings do not get great reception. There could be a dead spot. You can be in a weird spot where the cell towers might be. These things do exist. You can't prove guilt. You know, a lot of people think because 
the term plausible deniability means that there is a rational or an explanation that can be given, a not too bad excuse to excuse this missing time that you can't prove them guilty, even though you have an inkling that something more could be going on. And chat GPT to me is also incorrect. So chat GPT says plausible deniability in abusive relationships refers to the tactics abusers use to create ambiguity or doubt about their actions, making it difficult for their victims to hold them accountable. This manipulation often involves distorting facts, denying responsibility, or casting doubt on the victim's perceptions. And it uses examples here in ChatGPT of, you know, the way they do this is gaslighting, blame shifting, distorting reality, minimization, projection, etc. You know, things that would be on the wheel of confusion. And that's a term, you know, going forward, we're going to start using the wheel of confusion. And all of these things are on the wheel of confusion. Plausible deniability is also on that wheel. However, I think what ChatGPT is saying is, uh, is incorrect. It's just like the definition before. I think that all of these things are not the actual definition of plausible deniability. So I'm going to go over now the origination of this term and how I think it should be used when it comes to abuse. And I'm going to give you examples, as many as I could think of. It's not every example. There's a bunch there, but uh, you know, I'm going to go over the original definition and, and the origin of where this term came from and kind of take that origin and explain the way I think plausible deniability should be explained in abusive relationships because it does exist, just not in the way that it's being explained to you currently. And I, because I just think that that is inaccurate. So this is from Wikipedia. And Wikipedia says plausible deniability is the ability of people, typically senior officials in formal or informal chains of command to deny knowledge of or responsibility for actions committed by or on behalf of members of their organizational hierarchy. They may do so because of a lack or absence of evidence that can confirm their participation, even if they were personally involved in or at least willfully ignorant of the actions. If illegal or otherwise disreputable and unpopular activities become public, high-ranking officials may deny any awareness of such acts to insulate themselves and shift the blame onto the agents who carried out the acts, as they are confident that their doubters will be unable to prove otherwise. So the lack of evidence to the contrary ostensibly makes the deniable plausible, aka credible. So then the accusations cannot be proven. So this term typically implies forethought, such as intentionally setting up the conditions for the plausible avoidance of responsibility for one's future actions or knowledge. And in politics and in espionage, deniability refers to the ability of a powerful player or intelligence agency to pass the buck and to avoid blowback by secretly arranging for an 
action to be taken on its behalf by a third party that is ostensibly unconnected with the major player. So although plausible deniability has existed throughout history, the term was coined by the CIA in the early 1960s to describe the withholding of information from senior officials to protect them from repercussions if illegal or unpopular activities became public knowledge. And a lot of it can be insulating someone from prosecution for having knowledge of an event or crime that took place. If someone is never aware of something, truthfully unaware, not just, oops, I forgot to remember that, and they're questioned under oath, they have plausible deniability because they simply don't know anything about it. So, uh, you know, the president of the United States knows the CIA does stuff but doesn't get briefed. Therefore, if they get caught doing something bad, the president is insulated from that. So for me, plausible deniability, when I think of what this definition is based upon the origin of everything, is an emotional and psychological manipulation technique that is meant for you to do what the manipulators want without their need to declare their intentions or requests explicitly. So this technique aims to make the subject or the victim act out of free choice without receiving clear instructions from the manipulator or the abuser. And the manipulator really isn't telling you what to do, telling you, you know, you can't see your friends. They're not saying those things outright. They're just, you know, creating a situation uh, with the power of suggestion to have free choice for you to make these decisions. So manipulators are programming their subjects, their victims, or sometimes victims might have a little bit of this programming from possibly you know, the family that they grew up in. So with that, it becomes really much easier to make suggestions and easier to manipulate people if they're coming with a little bit of programming as well. So In my opinion, when we talk about plausible deniability in relationships, the real definition should be based around this manipulative power of suggestion, a programming where you don't know that you're even programmed and that you can't question the manipulator because they never told you to do any of these actions. And if that's not confusing for an abuse victim inside a relationship, I don't know what is because... You're, you're creating these actions from isolation to not leaving the relationship to altering how you feel about yourself, etc. But like no one is explicitly telling you to do these things. So it's very, very confusing. So to me, the formula in which plausible deniability works in a relationship would be this. Action A by the abuser is verbal statements or actionable statements. It's not verbal, but it could be done with actions. And this could be praise of you or other people, could be put downs of other people, could be lots of victim playing statements not related to you in a blaming way. You know, they'll make it about them. Guilt is involved without accusations. There's shame in there. You know, there could be really tricky language giving you the illusion of choice you know, actionable things might be happening, like missing things, the missing things when it comes to gaslighting, like you put something down, then it's not there anymore. That can kind of be involved here. 
put downs can be in here that are wrapped in an innocent statement. So it's kind of like backhanded stuff. And this isn't a complete list, and I'll give some examples in a minute, but this takes us to action B. So action A is verbal statements or actionable statements, and then action B is because this abuser is really hammering home these statements, you start to change or alter a behavior. You might stop doing something, or it creates a blockage to leave, or it can alter how you feel about yourself, whether it be your confidence or your self-esteem. You know, they can hammer home points that don't have anything to do with you in some cases, but it can still lower your self-esteem. And if you question that, you know, they never actually made those comments directly uh, about you per se. You know, it's very confusing to you and it's very hard to explain to others what's happening because they never said to stop doing these things. They never told you to change. They never said you can't leave or I want you to leave. They never said out loud that you're stupid, that you're dumb, that you're incompetent, that they don't like the way that you look. They're able to skirt around this using plausible deniability. You know, with these statements that they're hammering home, where you're kind of like a third party witnessing these statements where it's not always really involving you, they're manipulating you to do the work without ever saying it. And they're just doing a very good job of using the power of suggestion without ever actually suggesting it. So they're playing off of guilt, shame, casting doubt, lowering confidence, lowering self-esteem. So when you say, uh, you know, I don't go out anymore for you or I change for you, you know, they can say, I never asked you to do that because they never did. They never even suggested it. They've been making these statements that make you believe that that's what they want. It's kind of like a big power of suggestion insinuation, but they're not saying it and they can tell the truth, but it's by saying, you know, I never said that. That's plausible deniability based upon the original definition to me, the way it was originally coined, you know. There's an insinuation of what they want that's going on using the power of suggestion. They never say it, and you fall in line based upon that chain of command. And then they can deny everything because they never actually said any of these things. It's a very manipulative, suggestive, implanting programming that is going on. So here are a bunch of examples based upon my definition of plausible deniability. And so the first one I have here, in the A action, the abuser is constantly saying, my exes never did this for me, and it always upset me. And we hear this one a lot on the show. So they're constantly hammering that home. And then you... As the abuse victim, hear this constantly. So now you start doing these things that your abuser's exes never did without him even asking you. You've heard him complain about these things about other people, not about you. So here you are now 
changing what you do and changing your actions based upon the victimhood of your abuser. So they had their A action statements and here's your B action response to those statements where you are now changing your behavior based upon their statements here. So another example is telling you how much they always miss you and how sad they are when you're gone. And they might do this with like a smile on their face, but the more they can say like, oh, I'm sad when you're gone, I'm sad when you're gone, oh, I'm sad when you're gone, et cetera, you know, can continue and continue, you know, that can hammer home into you pretty easily and make you feel guilty, even though that there could be a smile on their face when they're saying it. And you get the idea over time that, you know, without you there, that they are really sad. So they're not saying don't go out and hang out with your friends. They're not saying go, don't go out and do the hobbies that you like. They're not doing that at all. They're just hammering home their victimhood here. So now the action B on your end is that because of this guilt, you start to stay in more without them asking because you know that that won't make them sad. You know, they're just kind of able to really hammer home the sadness without really any big reaction, without telling you what to do at all. They're not telling you to stay in. You know, it's a really just a tactic of of repeating it over and over again. Hey, when you're gone, I'm sad. You know, when you're gone, you're sad. You know, over time, that's going to affect you. So that's another one. And another one on the list is saying that they like how X person looks or this person looks this way, and I don't like how this person looks over here. You know, they're not commenting on your looks, but they're commenting on other people's looks. And that could be, you know, their clothes, you know, what they look like, you know, what their body looks like. So with that information right there being hammered home all the time, this can be attacking your self-esteem, your self-confidence, and they're eroding that, throwing you further in a hole. So they're changing the way that you are feeling about yourself and also an action that you might take after that as you are changing the way you're feeling about yourself, you might start changing the way you look. You might go on diets and things like that. And, you know, this can go in many different ways, but, you know, right here, they didn't outright put you down in any way because they're using a third party to make the point that they're making and hammering that home. So technically they aren't putting you down and they're just suggesting it through other people. It's kind of like they're using a triangulation here of other people to get their point across without actually saying something to you. And this is just a real big power of suggestion to change the way that you feel about yourself and to also possibly change the way of how you look as well. And these statements are insinuating what they want from you and you being put down without it actually being said outright. So there's so there's plausible deniability right here because they never said it. However, the message is loud and clear and you change in a couple of ways in this situation because of it. And you know, that's the strength of something like this, this type of plausible uh, deniability.
And another one that we have on our list is an actionable thing by the abuser where they start really making statements uh, that, you know, maybe your friends don't respect you or don't treat you that great or they're noticing these things. So they kind of start casting doubt on your friend group a lot. It's a form of isolation that's going to be happening here. They're really creating doubt and they might kind of point those things out. Oh, I don't like how the way, you know, they treated you or said this or did that. And it's coming from a place where they seem like they're caring about you and they're insinuating these things when those things aren't really there at all. And that's their action that they're doing and putting that statement out there and hammering it home. And eventually you and your action B, the, the, the action that you take is you start to believe them. And then you might start slowly isolating yourself from your friends. You remove yourself from their lives, not being around them as much. They're getting what they want here, which is they're going to be isolating you. But again, right here, you are changing your behavior, your action. You're now isolating yourself. They're not telling you to isolate yourself. They're using the power of suggestion here for that to occur. So at this point, you can't say to them, hey, you told me not to hang out with my friends at all. You know, you can't say that to them. You know, technically you made the choice to do it, but there is this power suggestion manipulation that was going on and that is plausible deniability. You know, it's what they intended for the outcome, but you can't prove it. And another one on the list is a real control tactic. And let's say the action, action A, they say something on a real regular day basis, like just a regular kind of thing for control, which is things like, I'm totally open to watching any movie you like, but this movie over here is much more historical and we could probably learn a lot if we watch that one. And on a bigger level, something like that would be like, I'm totally open to moving anywhere, but your family really seems to be getting on your case. So moving just a bit further away could be spa the space that you need. So this, these ones are a little bit more suggestive of, of what to do, but they're not making the decision for you. So what they're really doing here is they're presenting a choice in this specific statement. You know, we can move here, we can move here, we can watch this movie, or we can watch this movie, but they're pushing you into a particular option with a reasoning behind it. You know, it's very coercive and it can be a suggestion that looks like a choice can be made, but it's a choice that's being pushed in a specific direction. And it's not like you can go after to them and say, hey, you decided that you, you wanted to move here. You know, in reality, they gave you a choice of two places. One place, they didn't give a reason to move to this place. The other, they gave you a reason why it might be better to move to this place. And the same thing with the movie. It's about controlling a situation. And it's an illusion of giving you choice. So you're the one that actually makes the decision. But they're giving you these reasons 
for making that decision while not giving the other choice any reasons at all. So they're pushing you in a direction. And this is very coercive. And this one is just really controlling a lot of things, controlling what they want, whether probably not just a movie, but homes, cars, a lot of different decisions, decision making as a whole. And this can be plausible deniability because you're the one that made that decision. You're the one making this choice. You're the one that is doing this thing, getting the final say. But in reality, they've pushed you there. So if you say you're the one that did this, you know, you're like, no, they can really say 100% truth. You're the one that made the decision. So that can be plausible deniability for, for this specific instance. And this is something that people deal with a lot. And another one on our list is the abuser's action, action A is saying like, they're just forgetful. Oh, I forgot again. I forgot again. You ask them to do something. Oh, I forgot again. Oh, I forgot again. You know how forgetful I am. On purpose, they're being forgetful. They're being forgetful. Oh, and they're hammering home how forgetful they are. So eventually your action B is to eventually pick up the slack on everything they are for forgetful about. Maybe you don't even ask them anymore to do anything at all because you know that they are forgetful. Big power of suggestion here. You know, that is, you know, insinuating that they can't do anything right. So you're just going to do it anyway. And they're playing it off as, you know, being forgetful. So here's plausible deniability. You're saying, hey, I do everything around here. You know, they can say, I never asked you to. Eventually, you can start doing these things by yourself because this forgetful stuff is getting in the way, so you stop even asking to begin with. Plausible deniability, because you know that you pick up the slack. They didn't ask you to. You know they're just insinuating that they can't do these things, so it never gets said. It's just implied that you should do it. Or after a while, you just get sick of it not getting done, so you just do it yourself. And another one on the list, an action by an abuser is saying how depressed they are and how lucky they are to have you and how happy you make them. And if they hammer that home a lot, that can really play on, you know, your guilt, your people pleasing, makes you feel responsible for them. You know, if you're thinking about leaving them, this really will keep you in a relationship. You won't leave. It really plays on your guilt. They never said like, if you leave, I'll kill myself. They skirted around that completely. So they're implying that, and they're implying all these things, and they don't want you to leave. They're really doing this insinuation that this is what they would do if you left. They're making you feel responsible. So this action is keeping you in a relationship. They're making you feel responsible for them and guilty about it. And the action that they're creating in you is to keep the status quo, make them as happy as possible, do what they want, and to not leave. And if questioned about those statements, they can deny those things because, you know, at that point you're like, this is, this is just their emotions that they're going through. They can explain away in, in, in that sense, you know, their depression and all of these things. And they never said, like, if you leave, I'm going to kill myself. They can completely deny that at all. But the insinuation 
it is there to make you do what they want you to do. And then the last one on our list, and this is an incomplete list, but these are just some examples, is uh, the action of the abuser. Action A, this is when they can use like actual gaslighting. So like making it look like you are constantly missing things. They could really be setting you up to fail. They can say that you've become forgetful and that kind of action right there, which is an actionable suggestion where they're putting this action in place, the actual physical missing things of this gaslighting, where they're really setting that up completely and you can't prove that any of that's going on, but they're just doing it to reinforce that you are forgetful. So your action B at this point is you start to you know, think that you're incompetent and you can't do things on your own. And you might increasingly feel if this continues to go on that you need them to survive. It makes you think that you can't leave. The more that they can do this type of gaslighting where they're not saying to you you're stupid or you're incompetent because they've used this actionable type of suggestion where they are removing things to to make it look like you're misplacing stuff. You know, so when they do say that you are forgetful, it's not like it's not a true statement. And it's not like they're putting you down. It's more of them noticing what is going on as an observation and not as a put down. And they can show concern for that in a very loving way, which can be very confusing because you're not going to think that your partner is going to be, you know, removing things on you. It's kind of like they're setting up a situation here to be your savior here in a lot of ways and using these missing things as a way to kind of suggest that your competency might not be what it used to be, but not in a way to put you down more of like, I'm here for you. I'm here to care for you. It's a more complicated two-step thing that they're doing here, but it's altering how you feel about yourself. And then it opens up the pathway for you to stay in a relationship, but as well as give them more power when you think about financial abuse situations, situations to really just let them take care of things. So you might voluntarily relinquish control of things because of something like this, when they're attacking your competency in this way. And you can't say that they were putting you down because in this case, they can really pass it off as concern and they have this extra proof of it, but you definitely change here. So with my definition, you know, they do this action a, that they're showing concern about your competency and the care of you about your competency. And then action B you, you then change how you feel about yourself, which throws you more into a hole, which can make you stay a little bit longer in these relationships. And it might also give you the idea that you're going to kind of freely relinquish control of certain things like uh, finances and things like that, and just put things in their hands to really control a situation. So that is 
this episode on plausible deniability on on my definition of what it is and a lot of the time here as you, and with everything you're hearing here there's this you know action a by the abuser that's taking place and in response there's an action b by the abuse victim that takes place and you know that the abuse victim it might come to changing behaviors isolation you know, uh, not being able to leave amongst many other things, but there's a change that's going on or something's being stopped uh, within the relationship, like you stop seeing your friends, etc. And when you question the abuser and saying like, oh, you know, you got me to do these things, they can completely deny it all because technically they never told you to do any of those things. It's just the power of suggestion through suggestion and words. And in this one last example with words and actions. So that is, you know, plausible deniability. And I hope, you know, this is my version of it. And I think what everyone else has been describing has more been just like excuses, you know, and there's been a lot of, in my opinion, misinformation in that way. So uh, hopefully this was a useful episode for you to hear. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there is a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And if you are someone that needs support, please go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Support Group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And on there, you'll see that we have forum boards for you to post on. We have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. A great group of people on there. You can make a lot of friends on there. So if you need support, join our support group today. And that is it for today's episode. So I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found it helpful and I hope you have a good night.